You're listening to the Bahai World News Service. You are listening to the first in a series of podcast episodes about Bahá'u'lláh's arrival in Akka. This month marks the 150th anniversary of that historic moment, the last stage of Bahá'u'lláh's exiles from his homeland of Persia to the Holy Land. In this episode, we will explore the context of this final banishment. We will hear about Bahá'u'lláh's departure from Ederne, his journey to Akka, and the curious history of Akka and Haifa, now home to the holiest places in the world for Bahá'ís. It was summer 1868. Baha'u'llah was in Ederne, a small city on the edge of the Ottoman Empire. He had been banished from his homeland in 1853. Through a series of exiles, the Persian and Ottoman governments had schemed to put out the light of his teachings, which had already spread to tens of thousands of souls across Persia and further afield. On 12 August 1868, Ottoman troops surrounded Baha'u'llah's house in Ederne, and authorities told him he was banished again. To where? They would not say. It was almost two weeks later, after Baha'u'llah and his companions had begun their journey, that they learned their destination. Akka, an ancient city in Ottoman Palestine, known also as Acre. Professor David Kushner of Haifa University, a historian who specializes in the Ottoman Empire, explains the significance of Akka. The Ottomans had a number of uh, cities which were well fortified, uh, normally uh, near the uh, uh, coast, where there was access to the sea and to shipping, what's convenient to get to. And uh, they were surrounded by walls. Uh, so it was a safe place where to cast people to prison or to exile and be watched. Acre was one of them. So Acre became... Uh, for the Ottomans, a place where, first of all, they had a prison for criminals, uh, and then a place for exile of all kinds of whom they thought were they should be uh, watched over and kept in a exile. The Baha'is were of that category, yeah? and Baha'u'llah was uh, forced to come to Akka. Baha'u'llah's four years in Ederne were turbulent. A schism among his companions had caused him profound heartache, and an attempt on his life would lead to illness and a permanent tremor of his hands. Yet, the closing months of his time in Ederne would mark the beginning of the most prolific period of his writings. In 1867, he began openly proclaiming his message to the kings and rulers of the world, putting forth far-reaching principles and concepts related to governance and world order. 
he urged the leaders to pursue justice and disarmament and exhorted them to band together into a commonwealth of nations. He impressed on them their high responsibility to show the utmost care and consideration for the well-being and rights of the poor. He warned them of the dire consequences of failing to establish peace. Nader Saidi, a professor of sociology and currently an adjunct professor of Iranian studies at University of California, Los Angeles, discusses the significance of Baha'u'llah's exile from Ederne to Akka. At the end of August of, of this year, we are celebrating the exile of Baha'u'llah to Akka and his arrival in, in Akka. This is 150 years that this exile has taken place. And although this exile has been an act of oppression and injustice and persecution, Baha'u'llah has turned this into a journey of humanity towards spirituality, freedom, and emancipation. And, and for that reason, uh, this time becomes the main turning point in the mission of Baha'u'llah, and in a sense, a turning point in the cultural history of humanity. As I mentioned, this was an event of uh, absolute injustice and tyranny um, and intrigue by two uh, kings of uh, Iran and Ottoman Empire. So Baha'u'llah in his life was first exiled from east to the west, ending up in Europe, in Adrianople. And then again, he went through another major exile from Adrianople in Europe to back to the east, and this time to the Holy Land, to the city of Akko. Baha'u'llah uh, was uh, going through not only Europe, but he also was in uh, Africa, outside of Egypt, and of course Asia. So this uh, whole exile symbolically also has reference to the unity of humankind, which is going to be the major message of his addresses to the rulers and kings of the world. Baha'u'llah's time in Adirne also led to many prominent personalities showing great admiration and respect for him, including the region's governor, Khorshid Pasha. This alarmed authorities in the capital, as well as the Persian government. They conspired to persuade the sultan to further banish Baha'u'llah. The sultan did so in an edict dated 26 July, 1868. The governor, Khurshid Pasha, was designated to inform Baha'u'llah of his further exile, but he was too embarrassed to do so. He left the city and asked one of his aides to give Baha'u'llah the news. Baha'u'llah left Adirne on 12 August. He went with his family and companions by carriage on a four-day journey to Gallipoli, a port town south of Adirne. There, 
The decision was made to send Baha'u'llah and most of his companions to Akka, the prison city where the Ottoman Empire sent its worst criminals. On 21 August, they all boarded an Austrian Lloyd steamer, passing through the Aegean Sea and into the Mediterranean. They stopped in Alexandria, Egypt, changed ships, and headed to Haifa. They arrived at 8 a.m. on 31 August. We hear about the Haifa of those days from Egal Greiber, a board member of the Haifa Historical Society. It was very filthy, with a lot of garbage. Uh, the sewage was in the Allies. The smell was awful. Europeans who came and who have how they describe Haifa. On the beach, dead horses and camels and donkeys, they threw, just threw them there. This is the city that Baha'u'llah is coming to. So this is Haifa of uh, that uh, period. Let's speak a little about how Baha'u'llah came. The first modern pier or a uh, harbor of Haifa was a pier. The story of how Haifa came to have that pier is a long one that requires going back as far as 1761. There's a dispute if there were 250 people or 350. Let's say 300. It was called Haifa al-Atika, Old Haifa, a small fisherman village. Sheikh Daher al Omar He was uh, born in 1689 in the Lower Galilee. His family, the origin is from Mecca. They are the descendants of the Prophet Muhammad. He was a very wise man, charismatic man. He was sitting here in Acre, and he was looking south, and he saw this small village, but he saw the Haifa Bay, a big bay, deep water, a mountain that shed from storms, so you can use this bay almost all over the year, no matter if the weather or storms. So in his mind, he decided to build a new and big city over here. So he decided in December 1761, he came to the 300 people and said, okay, take your packages, we are moving. He ruined the old Haifa and moved a couple of kilometers to the east. And he built here a new city, which is called Haifa Ejdide, New Haifa. With New Haifa established in a more strategic location, authorities sought to utilize its favorable position on the shoreline. As you know, the, all the most important places for Christianity is here. Nazareth, the Sea of Galilee, Jerusalem, Bethlehem, the Jordan, and so on. So a lot Thousands of pilgrims, Christian pilgrims, began to come to Israel. Most of them were very poor Russian peasants. The number was increasing. The Russian government came to the chief engineer of Jerusalem municipality. They asked him to build in Haifa a pier for those pilgrims who are coming. In 1854, 
is building this pier, and it was called the Russian pier. Now, this is the first modern port of Haifa, and I can say I'm almost sure that Baha'u'llah came to this land from this Russian uh, pier. Baha'u'llah did not stop long in Haifa in 1868. He, his family, and their companions were taken from the steamer on smaller boats to the dock and then ashore, where they stayed for a few hours. Then they boarded a sailboat for the final leg of their journey. We will hear about that in the next episode. Over the course of the coming decades, Baha'u'llah returned to Haifa three more times, in 1883, 1890, and 1891. By those years, Haifa had grown and modernized considerably. The Templars, a group of German Christians expecting the return of Jesus Christ, had established a new section of Haifa at the foot of Mount Carmel, a little more than a kilometer west of the new Haifa of Sheikh Zahir al-Omar. But that first visit to Haifa was only brief. The destination was across the bay, the historic city of Akka. It has been under the control of the Egyptians, the Assyrians, the Persians, the Greeks, the Romans, the Arabs, the Crusaders, and, by the 16th century, the Ottoman Empire. Professor Kushner, whom we heard from earlier, explains how Akka has had a long history and passed through the hands of many nations. We pick up from when the Ottomans took hold of the city in 1516. Well, Acre, uh, Acre of course, is very well known in history. Uh, it had its ups and downs. So that was a down period in the early 16th century. There were now begin now a restoration, so to say, of its early position, Acre's position in Palestine, uh, started, uh, you can say, even in the 17th century, but more so in the 18th century. Acre become, begins to develop, restore her place in history, so to say. The North part of Palestine, the Galilee, and the Syria, Golan, Syria, Horan, those areas, uh, had a lot of uh, grain to export, grain and cotton. And at that time, you know that the textile industry in Europe began demanding more and more cotton also grain. So what happened was that there was a rise in the export of these two products, grain and cotton, more, cotton even more than grain, to Europe. Uh, European bo uh, boats would come and get these commodities and uh, very intensive trade began to flourish to in Acre. So Acre began uh, developing under Darul Omar particularly, a new market, a new uh, caravansarai, um, 
at palace, uh, what you, I mean, all kinds of uh, institutions that went together with, uh, with uh, being a city, an important city. So then comes Jazar, Ahmad al-Jazar Pasha. Yeah. And he managed to rule for 30 years, or about 30 years, Acre. He kept Acre as his capital, local capital, and Jazar was a strong man, cruel, vicious. Uh, there are lots of stories about him. But he did some good to Acre. He uh, promoted uh, commerce and uh, trade. He uh, built some new play, uh, buildings and uh, institutions, markets and um, caravans. Again, the same things which need to be part of life of a big city. And Acre remained a very strong city along the coast, yeah, of course. Then, Aka faces a series of brutal sieges, first by Napoleon in 1799, then in 1832, an Egyptian army takes the city, only to lose it in 1840, when the Ottomans attack again with a coalition of European powers. You remember we left Acre as a flourishing city under Daher and Jazar, and all of these sieges, all of the what happened destroyed a lot of the economic base and the demographic base of Acre. People were killed, people fled. It was no longer the flourishing city it was in the 18th century. But what you could do with Acre was to have the military there, to enjoy the advantages, and you could have a prison there, because the prison also, I mean, had the advantage of the, that you could protect the prisoners better in this way, not to let them escape, and the exiles could be kept under watch. Akka, fortress city in decline, home to the Ottoman Empire's worst criminals, would be the final destination in a series of exiles imposed on Baha'u'llah by two monarchs. They had conspired together to banish Baha'u'llah to a place so remote and dreadful that they believed he would be forgotten and his message lost forever. They could not have been more wrong. Listen on 31 August for our next episode about the harrowing and inspiring story of Baha'u'llah's arrival in Akka, which occurred on that same day 150 years ago. For more information, visit news.bahai.org.